so thankful to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. Isaiah chapter number 54, and we're just going to read three verses of scripture here. Begin reading in verse number one. If you got it, everybody said amen. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Bring forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent. And let them stretch, everybody said stretch, forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Once again, verse number 2 says, Enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. The miracle is in the stretch. The miracle is in the stretch. And I know we've already praised the Lord a bunch and worshipped Him and exalted His name. But I want us to have a special prayer right now that God would speak to each and every one of us in a special measure. Would you do that with us? Let's join together and pray together right now in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your voice. Let's pray. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Pray that you'll minister to every life pray as the trumpet begins to sound today that all that are in attendance will understand and comprehend and know the times that are upon us. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. You may go down clapping in Jesus' name. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord, and there are there are many in this congregation that are still ill. Please continue to pray for the entire Thompson family, Sister Thompson. We had a funeral here yesterday for Brother Tim Thompson, and um, please continue to keep the Thompson family in prayer. Please keep Brother and Sister Davies, Elder Brother and Sister Davies, in prayer, they were involved in a uh, automobile accident a week ago today, and there are still many in this congregation that are still sick, uh, and there are a few that are among us that are back among the living. And I just want to say it's good to see you. Welcome home in Jesus' name. Listen, the world does not b- belong in quarantine.
you always get somebody that walks in among us and says, where's all the mass? And then if that's how you feel, please see me after service today, and we will buy you a one-way bus trip to Seattle to ask Antifa, where is the social distancing and where are the masks? It's hypocritical to require the saints of the... If it's hypocrisy, we're not doing it. Somebody needs to shout with a voice of triumph. Checking. That's a statement of reality. Jesus' name. This incredible passage of Scripture that I read in your hearing today has much to say about where this congregation is right now. We, um, I'll be very open with you. This is a message that I have preached before. God actually gave me this message that I'm going to preach this morning in 2008. Um, if you'll recall, in 2008, we were in a building program. We were preparing for a move. We were already investing in our future as a congregation and uh, because of the faithfulness of this congregation and the vision and the willingness to pursue that vision, we are in this beautiful facility today. And somebody said, Amen. But in this incredible passage of Scripture, it's against the backdrop of the reality of barrenness. You know, barrenness was a reality in the Old Testament. It was a reality that was one that God used. Many of the most powerful prophets and powerful people that emerged on the stage of God's unfolding redemptive drama were born to barren wombs. And it was uh, the methodology of God that against that backdrop of, of barrenness that God would miraculously bring forth and it would impact not just a home and a family uh, and the nation of Israel, but in a broader purpose uh, to us, it would impact the world as being game changers for God. In Isaiah chapter number 53, we see the most illustrative and articulate description of the Lord Jesus Christ that I can think of in the Old Testament. Uh, in verse number 6 when it says, all we like sheep have gone uh, astray. I'm sorry, going back to verse number 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Several verses in Isaiah 53 are some of the most descriptive of the sufferings of God manifested in the flesh the Lord Jesus Christ, that are, be, that are to be found in the entirety of the Word of God. But in Isaiah chapter number 54, almost on the heels of the introduction uh, of the incarnation, 
that we have this command. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, bring forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. In these few verses, it is a promise of coming revival. It is coming in places where revival has never been. Um, I'm just going to bring us up to speed here a little bit um, in more of a sociological uh, and maybe geographical uh, way. Uh, I thank God for the Bible Belt, and I thank God for the early days of Pentecost that are to be found in the early days of the previous century. We have that the Holy Ghost actually was poured out uh, in places like Louisiana and Texas and Topeka, Kansas, even prior to Azusa Street in 1905 and 06. So the seedbed of revival in America was in the South and in the Midwest. I thank God for the strength of revival that has taken place in this nation. And I want to stop here long enough to tell you that Pentecost, the experience of Pentecost, is the fastest growing spiritual experience in the world today. I'm, it is not Islam, it is not Buddhism, it is not Taoism, it is not Hinduism, it is not atheism, it is the baptism of reality of the Almighty God. Hallelujah, but there are some places in America that have never experienced the type of revival. And I want you to know by this particular passage of Scripture that the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, is giving this as a, a clarion promise to places that have never experienced the great earth-shattering breaking of the power of revival. And it's, it's used in this illustration of the illustration of a barren womb. There were three district superintendents that were in this funeral yesterday. Uh, all of them are friends of mine. Brother Raymond Woodson uh, is a very dear friend of mine. I've known him for almost 30 years. He was here, uh, and we were talking uh, after the funeral yesterday, and he was talking about how that the Northwest for years was a place that generated many foreign missionaries, famous and very effectual foreign missionaries that have impacted uh, the work of God around the world, and we thank God for it. But in doing so, through the last several generations here in the Northwest, although they cultivated an environment where there were great foreign missionaries that were sent around the world, for some reason uh, that has not yet been explored heretofore, I've got, a, I've got some probably some things to say about it, but I may not say it in this, in this message here today. But for some reason, the Northwest has been one of those regions of America that has been a barren womb in the history of Pentecost until now. I thank God for the history pages that have pictures of saints of old. Uh, our dear sister Crosley that 
uh, went to be with the Lord here a few years ago, gave me, um, she gave me, um, uh, it wasn't a scrapbook, but it was a history book that had pictures in it. I think it was Conqueror's Bible College. She gave me uh, uh, some class Bible. It, it had all the classes and all the pictures, and, and, and thank God, and some of the names I recognize. I believe even Brother Sargent was in there. Uh, Brother Tim Thompson that went on to be with the Lord yesterday. Uh, he, he was in there, and many, many others that impacted the world. But I'm here to tell you that against the backdrop of a barren womb, you are going to watch the demonstration of the Almighty God. Somebody needs to clap their hands and lift your voice and thank God that you're part of the end time revival. With this clarion prophecy that is given in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 54, with this promise that thou will break forth, there are some requirements in preparation, in preparation before the revival. The problem is, or one of the challenges is, is most people don't start decorating the baby's bedroom until the wife has been told that she's pregnant. If you want a baby real bad and you've already prayed and believed God, go ahead and get that extra bedroom ready for that baby. Put a fresh coat of paint on it. Get a crib. Put some things on the wall and say, God, if you believe your little congregation's going to have revival, you don't wait till it hits to go ahead and paint the walls and bust down a wall and put a couple more chairs in. Somebody needs to clap your hands and give God the praise. When you're walking in the promises of God, they are yea and amen. God cannot lie. God didn't come to fool us. God didn't come to trick us. Act like you've already got your miracle. Right about this message is where we get hung up. Because it means you got to do something. See, we're real good at feeling. And we're not real good at thinking. But a balanced person thinks and feels. But we think that, Pastor, I've done that and God didn't do it. Yet. Come on, you in the back 40. You're not going to let me preach this all by myself, are you? Yet. Come on, you guys in the cheap seats. Get with me. Yet. There are some miracles that God does in advance. 
We all have experienced that and enjoy those special moments where God bursts on the scene of our lives and begins to bless us without any type of preparation or forethought. But there are also miracles in the Word of God where God requires me to go ahead and do my part before God does His part. And so I have come to proclaim to somebody, I'm not going to let anybody else do this. I'm going to say, this is my time. This is my moment. Go ahead and clap your hands. Go ahead and lift your voice. Go ahead and shout. Go ahead and praise him. Praise him in advance. Shout in advance. So God is requiring the local church to make some preparations to get ready for children. Isaiah 54 and 2 says, enlarge the place of thy tent. Well, Pastor, all we can afford is a one-bedroom apartment. Man, I understand they're going for $1,000 a month. When I was sitting where you are, they were going for $300 a month. I know that's 100 years old to some of you young people. Go ahead and get you that second bedroom. Put a coat of paint on the walls. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch. Everybody said stretch. To stretch something means that you take something in its present condition and you put your weight on it and you stretch you pull, you manipulate it in such a way that it loses its original shape, but now it's bigger than it was. may not fit the hole you're trying to patch, but at least it's bigger than what you started with. Stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation, spare not length. All, the, all this is a word picture. This is idiomatic of an illustration of talking about, you know what, we don't have any children yet, but God said to go ahead and get prepared for it. And so let's just, let's, just, let's just make this thing a little bigger. I'm reminded of the Shunammite woman uh, in the Old Testament that she didn't have any money and the bill collectors were on her way and she made her way to the prophet. And the prophet said, what do you have in your house? And she said, well, I have just a little bit of oil uh, and then I'm going to use that and die. Good morning, good to see you today. And the prophet said, fill your house with vessels. I imagine that the mama told the boys, she said, I want you to go throughout this community and I want you to fill this house full of vessels. 
And so the boys went from door to door and began to borrow vessels. And at some point, they said, well, we got enough. They probably had them on the table. They had them on the floor. They had them on the counter. They probably still had room to move, but they thought to themselves, this is just enough. And the Bible said that the oil, as they began to pour the oil, the oil filled every one of those vessels. But after it filled the last vessel, the Bible said that the oil stayed. God wasn't done. God wasn't out of oil. God wasn't done with miracles, but when they said it's enough, they set the perimeters on the length of their miracle. I'm looking for somebody here today that says, I don't believe this church is big enough. I don't believe we got enough chairs. I don't believe my pews are big enough. I don't. If you're from the Northwest, lend me your mind for a minute and let me stretch your imagination. Let me stretch what you think your God can do. God wasn't done. God wasn't finished. Clap your hands and give him praise. I believe the boys looked at one another. They probably were a little embarrassed to have to borrow so much. And so they looked at each other and probably with their sense of embarrassment and their placement in that little society, they looked at each other and said, we've got enough. God wasn't done. God wasn't out of oil, but they set the perimeters on what God was able to do. I think we ought to get a bigger building. I think we ought to get ready for a thousand. I think we need to get ready for a multiplied host. The miracle is in the stretch. Come on, somebody, stretch your hands. Come on, somebody, stretch your voice. Come on, somebody, stretch your faith. Come on, somebody, give him praise. See, it's be, it takes the backdrop of barrenness because every human being has a comfort zone. And that's a horrible place to ask people to begin to manifest their faith. Probably the greatest candidates for a miracle here today are people that have experienced their own barren womb situation where there was nothing, there was zero. Maybe the doctor said it's not going to happen. There was a couple in this church that here just a few years ago, I walked by uh, on an all-church prayer meeting. I walked by their pew, and I stopped, and I said, get ready, you need to get a pregnancy test. I don't even know. There's the man right there, Brother Austin Seymour. He's got a baby boy today. Don't tell me. Somebody needs to shout. Somebody needs to clap. God's not done. God's not through. You haven't exhausted God. Get another vessel and let God fill it up. See, a message like this doesn't work unless you've had a barren womb. There has to be some situation in your life that serves as a reference point. 
you're happy and content and everything's just like you got it, you're almost going to resist whatever God wants to do because God has to work from the area of want, of need, of, of, of emptiness, of barrenness. And when it's barrenness, you're like, I don't care what God's got to do. I got to have a miracle. I don't care what God's got to do. I'm going to walk in the Holy Ghost. I don't care what God's got to do. I'm going to walk in the promises. I'm going to live by the promises. I'm going to live by the book. Every day that I get up, it's going to be in the Holy Ghost. Every day I turn the light out, will be in the Holy Ghost. Somebody! Shout, clap your hands, give him praise, give him glory. Why is this, come here, Brother Cody. Why is this guy, listen, when this guy gets to running, I'm not even going to try to make fun of the way he runs. You just better get on out of the way. Okay, he's not playing games when he runs the aisles. Why is he running the aisles? Because he and his beautiful wife had a miscarriage. But I'm here to tell you, she's going to be with child. She's going to come through. It's going to come again. God's going to bring about the miracle. Is there somebody? Somebody needs to shout. Somebody needs to praise. Somebody. Hialalabakata. Somebody give him glory. Come here, Bradford. Are you kidding me? Now listen, everybody loves Bradford, right? His wife just had a baby girl. Don't tell me that God. Come on, somebody, give God the praise. You can be seated. God tells us about the miracle. And then he expects us to prepare. Look at verse number two. Enlarge, stretch, lengthen, and strengthen. Look at verse 3. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left. You know, I envision before it's all over, old Satan's going to figure out where God's moving, and he's probably going to put some protesters over here on Cornerstone Way. Well, Pastor, it says Corrigan Way. You don't understand. We're getting ready to file with the City of Liberty Lake a name change because we're going to own both properties on each side of the street. We're going to change it to Cornerstone Way. I didn't come here to just turn the lights on. I didn't come here to build a retirement. I didn't come here to go through the motions. I didn't come here to get my name in the Pentecostal Herald. I came here to break this thing wide open by the power of God. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Look at your neighbor and say, the miracle's in the stretch. You can stay where you're at and God ain't going to do nothing. But you go ahead and enlarge your faith and stretch your ability, enlarge your trust in God. 
and you're going to break forth on the left. You're going to break forth on the right, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles. You know what that means? That means that revival will never end because there's always more. There's always somebody else. There's somebody that always needs a devil cast out. There's somebody that always needs a move of God. There's somebody that always needs a revival. Somebody! Come on, somebody, lift your voice for the first time today and give God some glory. The miracle is in the stretch. That's profundic. Pastor, what's the building capacity on that building across the street? Are you sure you're ready for this? 3,000 people. If God can do it on the day of Pentecost, God can do it in the 21st century. He's just looking for somebody that will stretch and lengthen and stretch. Well, God's never done nothing for me. You know, with an attitude like that, not even the government's going to do something for you. Man, here's a little stale roll and a $5 food stamp. Our first phase in that building across the street will seat 1,000 people. Pastor, we ain't got 1,000 people. We will. No, see, your dreams are too small. When your dream matches God's power, anything can happen. I just found out last week that the project manager for our project across the street built our church on Broadway. He said, man, how many buildings are you going to go through? I said, if God will keep letting me live, there's going to be another building beyond that one. And we'll just keep starting churches. And we'll just keep promoting home missions. And we'll keep putting out evangelists. And we'll keep putting out pastors. And we'll keep putting out missionaries. You see, stretching, getting out of your comfort zone. Man, nobody knows about stretching like I do. Pull up to Starbucks. You only got three bucks. They need to rename Starbucks five bucks. 
You can't buy you can't buy a stale roll for five bucks at that place. I pulled up to the window and I'm sorry, sir, that'll be four dollars and thirty-five cents. Oh man. Pulled the car over and got under. I know I got some change under here. I looked under the seat, looked under the floor. Man, it's amazing what we'll sacrifice for to get what we want. What happened, what would happen, Brother Wokey, if we put that mentality into the things of God and say, you know what? I can fast an extra day and I can give another Bible study and I can reach my neighbors and I can, come on somebody! It's time to stretch and lengthen and strengthen. I didn't come here to be a consumer. I didn't come to be a taker. I didn't come to be a divine welfare recipient. Let's lift our hands and just talk to Jesus right now. I love you, God. I praise you. I'm almost done, believe it or not. I got about 45 minutes to go. Come on, keep praying. Don't let that stop your prayers. <laughs> See, all this pandemic and all this, the media has poked a hole in Pentecost. And now we finally have discovered we can't trust the media. You can't trust social media. You can't trust anybody. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. God is still there. God's always been there. God's waited for this world to grow burned out, worn out. On the media, come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. Sister Mayo, right here is a penny. How many of you remember Brother Mark Morgan preaching about that penny on the floor? That was prophetical. Not pathetical. You see, God's methodology has always been you have to stretch. Moses had led the nation of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. They're now facing the Red Sea. You can already begin to hear the turning of chariot wheels, hearing as the soldiers of Pharaoh are chasing them, and the people begin to lift their voices in fear, in panic, that they might be in chains before the end of the day. And Moses says, God, what do you want me to do? Stretch! Let's go to that scripture in Exodus real quick. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel. That's not the scripture I was looking for, but that's close enough. But lift thou thy rod and, and, and whatever your problem is. Come on, stretch your hand today. This is God's program. This is God's word. His methodology has always been, don't stand there and cry to me. Stretch! Because the miracle's in the stretch. 
seven times. God told Moses to stretch. God's perfect number. Seven times Moses stretched. And God performed the miracles. Because the miracle is in the stretch. The book of Joshua. He's getting ready to take Ai. He was raised under the garmentation of Moses. And he had seen the great miraculous things that God had done. But now, right before they move in to Ai, God tells Joshua, take your rod and stretch. Joshua drew not his hand back, wherewith he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. The miracle is in the stretch. And I remember when we moved from that commercial storefront into that building on Broadway. That was a huge leap for us. When we moved into that building, we moved into that building. Our very first service, we had 60 to 65 people. When we left that building on Broadway, we had over 240 people. See, the limitation is not on God's part. The limitation is, is that we are many beneficiaries from one another. And if what you're wearing looks good, I think that looks good. Brother Marks, go ahead and stand up. Look at this fine specimen of masculinity. Come on, man. Help us out. Look at this. Man, he looks good. Looks good. Man, I th- I've got the same jacket, by the way. That's not mine, is it? I don't look that good in it. That's got to be yours. And so we we're the we're the we we arrive at many conclusions from one another. And man, I, how much how long are you gonna pray? Well, I'm I'm gonna pray. Well, I guess I'll just pray. And so we let others set the limits on what we're gonna do. And so that happens among pastors, and that happens in organizations. And we think 50 is pretty good, and we think 100 is pretty big, and we think 150 is pretty big. According to the Word of God, 150 is a drop in the bucket. According to the Word of God, 500 is a drop in the bucket. According to the Word of God, we need to let God shape what we think is big. We need to let God, somebody needs to hear what I'm preaching. Somebody needs to clap. Somebody needs to praise him. Somebody needs to lift their voice. Don't let somebody else limit your ability to get a miracle. Don't let somebody else... reject. I messed up here and I messed up there and I did this and I did that and I got this problem and I got that. You're letting the devil in your own conscience put the limitation on what God can do. Are you under the impression that the man holding this microphone is the personification of purification and perfection? I'm here to tell you that my greatest My greatest testimony is simply between me and God. 
And so the devil can just sit there and shake his head. And God said, yeah, I'm going to bless him. Yeah, I'm going to go with him. Yeah, I'm going to walk with him. And the devil will say, what about this? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Somebody shout. I'm not going to let the devil limit what God can do. I'm I'm not going to let the voices in my head limit what God can do. I'm not going to let anybody else's opinion limit what God can do. Shout. Lift your voice. Clap your hands. Make some noise. Come on, somebody needs to praise him right now. Somebody needs to go ahead and glorify him right now. The miracle's in the stretch. I know you don't feel like it. Stretch, move, do something. Get out of your comfort zone. Come on, somebody. Your miracle's already on its way. God was just waiting for you to expand your mind and expand your imagination. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. The longer you live under the limitations of your flawed self-perception, the longer that you're distancing yourself. God, You don't understand that God wants to take the backdrop of your failures and mistakes and rub it in the devil's nose of what happens when a redeemed human being will trust in deity, will trust in supernatural agency, will trust in the all-knowing, all-powerful God. Come on, somebody. It's time to come out of retirement. It's time to come out of the shadows. It's time to come out of the closet and let God be God. miracle is in the stretch. If there ain't no stretch, there ain't no miracle. Old Joe, hope there's nobody here named Joe today. Just in case, we'll call him Ebenezer. If your name's Ebenezer, see me after church. Oh, Ebenezer had overcome his impediment and become a respectable man in the community. He was greatly imbalanced. They just knew him as 
good old brother Ebenezer. He had become a respected part of not just the community, but in the synagogue. Cultural balance of the Jews was much like ours today. He was well-liked, even loved, admired. It's amazing how that barren wombs, problematic situations produce good spirits. It's amazing. That day, the synagogue was much like any other week. Except that that day, Jesus was there to help a human being become balanced. You see, wherever your inability and disability is in life, they have proven that if you can't hear, that you will strengthen your ability to see. And your mind will bind with your optical nerve. Now, how in the world am I supposed to preach after that? God, touch her in Jesus' name. You know, you never know what you're going to get in a church service around here. Which is why I just love coming here. Jesus walked into the synagogue. He was looking there for one person. It was packed out. He was looking there for Ebenezer. He finally got him. He locked eyes with him. And everybody was just completely quiet and silent, about to witness what God manifested in the flesh was about to do. He said, Ebenezer, stand up. Ebenezer was sitting there with his wife and his family. and He probably thought, I don't know what this is all about. And he was well loved. Everybody loved him because of his pure spirit. He had had to learn to overcome his impediment. He was embarrassed by his impediment, but that produced a good spirit. Ebenezer, stand. And slowly but surely, Ebenezer stood. He tried to hide the part of his life that was withered a part of his life that was not whole. I'm here to tell you that God came here looking for the part of your life that's not right. We get this mentality that I got to put on my Sunday best because we're always at our best. That's not why Jesus came here today. Jesus came here today. He can see beyond the facade. He can see beyond the masquerade. He can see beyond your Sunday best. He's here today. Jesus is here Ebenezer stood and probably kind of looked around quickly and saw all the set of eyes. And there's a 
the mayor and my neighbors and everybody and put his head down, tried to cover up his impediment. Stretch forth your withered hand. He remembered being embarrassed as a child on the playground and being embarrassed among his peers and, you know, the hateful things and the little names that children make up for kids that aren't 2020 and perfect. And his tears began to stream down his face. He began to relive all that, but in obedience to God manifest in the flesh and slowly but surely he began to stretch his withered hand. And when he stretched it forth, it was whole. The miracle is in the stretch. No, that's you're 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 trying to hide that part of your life, which is why we have to build such a huge wall of pride and f- human facade. Because if anybody really knew what was behind that wall, they, we'd be immediately rejected. God knows. God sees. God cares. God loves. God's here to make it whole. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The miracle. It's in the stretch. Maybe you're good at maybe you're good at ushering, but you're not good at giving Bible studies. You have a hand for the children, but you don't have a hand for reaching souls. Maybe you have a hand to receive a takeout, but your hand is disabled to give. Maybe your hand is completely whole to be the recipient, but you've never experienced the blessedness of a hand that's whole to give. The miracle is in the stretch, and God came here to heal to make whole, to deliver. Nobody wants to be called out. We want to hide in the forest of humanity. But God sees and God knows. And he came to the synagogue for one purpose. And that was to heal the ability to reach the miracle is in the stretch. Just lift our hands.
greater challenges, people and couples and families achieve the American dream, coaxing them out of that posture of insufficiency to live a life where God is all in all. Why don't we stretch? Come on. Somebody today. The miracle is in the stretch. Come on, take that part out of the shadows of your life, the past, the present, and lift it up to Jesus. And let him make you whole. I'm done. Can't scream any louder. At 66 years of old, years of age, I can't exert anymore. just going to have to accept the revelation that the miracle is when you stretch. Let's stand. I remember when that preached that message last week, God brought, I'm not going to embellish this, God brought a memory to me that I remember my first few years in the church, I didn't really understand what God was doing and what the devil was doing. It wasn't until a little bit later that I finally gained the understanding that what the devil was trying to get me to do was to go back. To go back to different resources to cope, to get through, to appease my boredom, My sense of pleasure, my need for pleasure. Those are all immature and infantile of thinking that life is all about pleasure. And after I got saved, that's exactly what the devil used against me. But Sister Mayo, although I made my mistakes, I refused to ever go back. I refused to leave the church. I refused to leave truth. I refused to leave God's plan for my life. And so what happened was I just had to learn to start stretching. God hears this problem. God hears this. God hears that. I had to learn to start making God my resource instead of the drugs and the alcohol and the friends and the bars and the one-night stands and the emptiness and the superficiality. I had to learn how to stretch in very small 
there's somebody here today, there's many people here today, your answer requires you to stretch. This altar is open. Whoever you are, wherever you are, come on, Ebenezer, it doesn't matter. If people see you move, people see you get out of your pew and find your place, come on, Ebenezer. God sees that withered hand. God sees that withered ability to grasp, to give, to reach for today. The miracle is in the stretch. Sometimes it's not just sitting there. It's not just saying, well, here I am. But it's actually participating in obeying the Word of God.